Just let me put this, let me try this and see. If you haven't noticed, we live in uh, divided times, don't we? It's a divided season in our nation's history, and people divide over politics and pandemics. Relationships have been cast aside when differing viewpoints come to the surface. It seems that if you don't agree with me on everything, then you are evil. Poison drips from social media posts as people spew their venom against the enemy. And with each week, we see a new hashtag as we try to live for Christ in this cancel culture. My friends, we need God's help in these divided times. And what I came here today to say is this. The one God overall works in and through us to make us one. The one God overall works in and through us to make us one. And it's found in our core passage today from Ephesians chapter 4. I invite you to find that in your Bible. There's also on the Pew Bible in front of you, page 948. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, 4 through 7 as our core text. It launches us into chapter 46 of our core 52 material. And there's still some books available if you don't have one yet. But Ephesians 4, 4 through 7, we're going to walk through these verses. And I want to use this sentence, the one God overall works in and through us to make us one. I want to take that sentence phrase by phrase as we lay it over this text. Are you with me? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. God's word for us today. The one God over all. Did you hear the word one mentioned any in those verses? There's actually eight times you read the word one if you count each one of us. But in that little verses four, five, and six, it almost sounds like it's an early Christian creed, you know, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's seven of those. God kind of likes number seven. And if you add each one of us, there's number eight for one. But I want to walk through those in this section as we think about the one God overall. It says there is one body, verse four. What's that? That's the church. The church is called the body of Christ. So there is one body. There's one church, and there's many locations of the church, isn't there? If you're a follower of Jesus, and there are a lot of different Christians throughout the world, but we're still just one body. We're one church. And I love what our church, and the independent Christian church, says. We say we're not the only Christians. We just want to be Christians only. And so we welcome our brothers and sisters from other Christian denominations. We want to lock arms in mission to reach this world. So we want to display a unified body to the world. There's one body, one church. There is one spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit, the one who lives inside of us, who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and we're going to find out, gives gifts to his people. In fact, you just go a verse earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do you think our world needs to hear that verse? So as followers of Jesus, we have one Spirit, and we are called to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. One body, one Spirit, one hope. 
Do you see it there in verse 5? Verse 4, the last part. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One hope. There's the hope of heaven. There's this heavenly calling for us. I was talking with a, a, a preacher friend of mine just a couple weeks ago, and he was saying, I'm still just surprised of how people, followers of Jesus, have been so scared over the last couple years. And we're not trying to minimize what's happened. The virus is real, yes. But he's like, people have almost cashed in their hope because of the fear. And he's like, we have something to hope for. God is bigger than all of this, my friends. And so there's this idea that we have a heavenly calling. There is this hope that we have been called to. Paul speaks of it in verses 1 and 2. He says, uh, Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, As a prisoner of the, for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. There's one hope, just as we were called as followers of Jesus. Then in verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord. Most of the time when you read Lord in the New Testament, it's talking about Jesus. We could also describe Lord as King. Jesus is our King. There's one King. There might be a lot of rulers in this world, but there's just one king, and he rules over all of them. King Jesus, one king, one faith. I like to describe the word faith as trust. Other people, and you can say, you know, is it a body of doctrine, a set of beliefs? Yes. But is it part of that saving faith in Jesus? Yes. Last week, we looked at Ephesians 2, verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. There's one faith, it's saving faith in Jesus, placing your trust in Jesus. There's just one trust, one faith, one baptism. To be baptized just means to be dunked underwater, you're united with Jesus, and when you see faith, you usually see baptism. Someone who trusts Jesus is going to be baptized. There's one baptism. Some people ask, you know, should I be re-baptized? I'm not sure if I understood what I was doing when I was younger. It's a fair question. A lot of people ask that. And we should know more now than we did then. And I usually say, if you knew that you were a sinner and you knew that Jesus was the one who would rescue you, that's probably all you need to know to be baptized. That's a good starting place. And then we move on from there. But if you were pressured in that baptism moment or that was chosen for you, then it probably would be wise for you to consider what that looks like for you to study baptism a little bit more to be baptized. But Jesus says that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then verse 6, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One God and Father of all, the one God over all. Do you have trouble calling God your Father? Let's be honest, there's a lot of people out there that's dad's not really the best image for you. I want you to know that your Heavenly Father wants to be that dad that you never had. And maybe your dad was your hero and you respect him. Can I just say that God's even better than that? So just kind of launch it into the next dimension. But God is your Father in Heaven, the one God over all. Paul describes our Father quite a bit in Ephesians. If you want to look at some of these verses with me, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our Father blesses us 
We've got good things from our Father. You go down to verse 17 of chapter 1. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. You hear some of these are prayers, it sounds like. So you could pray, Father, would you give me wisdom? Could you show yourself a little clearer to me so I could know you better? He's a glorious Father. Chapter 2, verse 18, talks a little more about our Father. For through Him, Jesus, we have both access to the Father by the one Spirit. And then chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, again, it's a prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So we have a Father in heaven who loves us, who rules over all, and this Father rules the universe. We've been talking about this uh, theme, change your mind, change your life. We've got to change our thinking. Dr. Daniel Amen says that our brain is the most complex organ in the universe. And so if God reigns over the universe and He reigns over our brain, but did you know that inside of your brain there are 100 billion nerve cells? Let me just, 100 billion nerve cells. I think most of you have those. I think you do. I think you I think that. So 100 billion nerve cells in our brains. Some of you are just now getting that, so that's, that's, that's case in point. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, 100 billion nerve cells in our brains. Uh, and so the population of the world, 7 billion people. So that's like 14 plus world populations of cells in our brains. You follow me? That's a lot, isn't it? Check this out. Between the cells, correct me if I'm wrong, Gina, because you study this stuff. So between the cells, there's not just a one-to-one connection. 10,000 connections between all those billions of cells. I don't know what that number is. And it says that there are more connections in our brains than there are stars in the sky. Are you wigged out yet? And it's all in this little, whatever, two-pound mass, three-pound mass on our skull. And it says that information, for most of us, I guess, travels at a speed of 268 miles an hour. I don't know how they know that. That's pretty fast. And so if God has made that, He is the one God over all. And so we can realize that, okay, this one God who made our brains and can change our brains to help us follow Him, it's the one God rules over all and He works in us. That's our next phrase. He works in us. Do you believe that God's working in you? I hope that you believe that God works in you because if you're not, then we need to have a talk because God wants to do some stuff inside of us, inside of our being, inside of our spirit. And so this one God works, over, works in us. Verse 6 again, it's on our text, Ephesians 4, 6. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. God is working in us. As we think about this brain, change your mind, change your life, our brains, they, these, those connections, they form as, as long as you kind of work things out, you get pathways or, or troughs or trenches. There's these, like, you know, just passages. And, and so the more you do it, then there's kind of a, a, a trough. Am I saying that right? And so that's why most of you who drove here today didn't have to think a whole lot about driving. 
You just kind of do it. That's what's kind of scary is like when you go to work, you're like, I don't even remember driving here, but I know I got here. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, does anyone else have that feeling? You've done it enough that your brain kind of has a trough, and you're like, this is how this works. Like riding a bike. You just sort of never forget how to ride a bike. So there's troughs in your brain because of this repeated behavior. So if we do good things, good troughs, bad things, bad troughs. And so that's what's so dangerous about pornography is that there are these troughs that are in your brain because you expose yourself to those things. Or if you've got angry thoughts, then there are angry troughs. Negative thoughts, these negative troughs. And so we've got to watch what we're doing with our brains. But if we can put positive things, the Word of God and the truth of His Word and the goodness of, st- of his, his Spirit then they're going to have some positive troughs. And we can help sort of rewire our brains with God's grace. Are you following me? So God wants to do a work in us. The Apostle Paul speaks up on this theme even for another place in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, it's almost like the comparison passage for Ephesians chapter 4. But in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6, it talks about how this one God wants to work in us. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, which we're going to talk about in a moment, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but, the, but in the, all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. God is working in you. Do you believe that? So the one God overall works in us. And it says there, and, and we're going to read here, and then in chapter, a little bit later in chapter 4 of Ephesians, that God's given us gifts. So I want to invite you, if you've not gone through our three colors of your gifts class, we're going to start one on December 5th, 9 a.m. right here in this room. Uh, I'll, I'll be the leader for that at this point. And so I want to invite you. At Berlin Church, we ask you to come to two classes. One's our Deeper Life 101. That's actually online on YouTube if you want to get the virtual version. And we'll re-rotate that frequently. The other class we ask everybody to come to is their three colors of your gifts. It used to be called the three colors of your ministry, uh, but they've retitled the material. So three colors of your gifts, lots of fun. We learn a lot about ourselves, spiritual gift stuff. You'll find out that you have spiritual gifts. You'll identify those. And then we kind of help you get plugged into some different things either here at church or just say, hey, Go do this. This is good. You are good at this. So go have fun with that. So I want to invite you, if you've not, come starting December 5th. It'll be fun. You know, Christmas month, uh, talking about gifts, spiritual gifts. So, so join us. That'll be good. Handful of weeks. It's sort of open-ended because it kind of depends on who's all in the class and what. It's just, it's fun. It's a self-discovery class. I'm tr- I promise you, you'll have fun uh, and you'll learn something about yourself and what God's doing in the world around you. So take note of that. Uh, But God's given us these gifts, and this word for working, it shows up again in in Ephesians 4, verse 16. In Ephesians 4, 16, it says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so God has given us these gifts. He's working inside of us. And we kind of hold the body together. So some unity talk. And we are, build each other up in love. But this idea for working is where we get our English word for energy. 
energy. And so the writer from our Three Colors of Your Gifts study, Christian Schwartz, he says that, that there is a divine energy that God has for us, which we don't, we don't talk that word, do we? We don't think of in terms of that. We'll usually say power, power from the Holy Spirit. But there's this energy that God gives to us, so energy from God to us, and it shows up in spiritual gifts, some things that we're just good at. You know, you do things that are a lot better than what I can do, and there's some things that I can do that you can't do. And that's okay. We're all gifted. And so we need each other's strengths to cover our weaknesses and things like that. In fact, I'm so grateful that there's been a couple people who generously uh, provided our offering boxes. They made those from scratch in the last couple weeks. They've used their gifts. So thank you very much for blessing God's church in that way. That's one way to use your gifts. So energy from God to, to us, spiritual gifts. And then it goes out in service or ministries. Are you following me? So that's what's kind of fun is that God really has all this power we need and we just need to like let him use us. So he's working in us and through us. That's what our scripture says. Ephesians 4, 6. The one God overall works in and through us. And so he works through us. Uh, in our book this week, Mark Moore says we're not to be buckets. What do you, what do you, a bucket you fill. He says we need to be like a conduit. You know what a conduit is? It's a big pipe, and so things go through it. So if you just say, okay, God, just give me all these blessings, all these gifts, and just kind of fill your bucket, but if you're not kind of like sharing, then he's like, what's the purpose? So God is working through us as a church. He's working through us uh, to advance his kingdom. So the one God who works in and through us, verses 7 through 13, talks about how God works through us. Verse 7, Ephesians chapter 4. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. He's quoting from Psalm 68, verse 18, which is this victory parade psalm of God's victory. And it's the idea that Jesus ascended on high as king and has sent some gifts to us. One being the Holy Spirit. And then these gifts that we're talking about, talents and, and abilities. Verse 9, what does a he ascended mean except that he also descended to lower earthly regions? Verse 10, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe, the God who is over all. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers... These are leadership-type gifts. Apostle means one who is sent, might be leaders over multiple churches. The teachers, again, someone who can teach the Word of God. Evangelists, uh, speaking good news on behalf of Jesus. Could be uh, speaking, preaching. It could also be gift of evangelism. There's just some people that can just win people to Jesus really well. Most of the Christian people don't have that gift. So pray that we can have more of that evangelistic gift it's a responsibility regardless. Uh, but prayers for that, that we can just invite people to Jesus. And then pastors, another word for that is a shepherd. So one who cares for people. So those are some of the gifts. There's lots of different gifts in the New Testament. This is just one of the, the list. And so why are those gifts given? Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body, the body of Christ, the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So it appears that in all these spiritual gift talks that unity really is the context. 
And so one way we can pursue unity is by serving, is by using our gifts to bless our neighbors, to serve our fellow uh, followers of Jesus and those around us. So God wants to work through us, and he uses these works of service in verse 12. Works of service. And about two-thirds of the time, this word for works of service means physical needs. We're just going to help people with stuff they need. Now, there's a third that talks about like preaching and teaching, things like that. But a lot of it's just, you know, getting food for people. For example, in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, they're just providing food. In Acts chapter 6, verse 2, it talks about waiting on tables. Do you remember when the widows were being overlooked in the daily food allotments? And they're like, hey, we need to have some people do that and just take care of them so that, they, so that the apostles were going to spend time preaching and, and praying and things like that. Jesus gives this, the parable in, in Matthew 25. He says, I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat? I was thirsty? Gave me something to drink? I was sick and you helped me? I was in prison? You came to visit me? So it's just tangible, physical needs that God is using for that. And in Romans 15, it's talking about just taking some money to help uh, in the famine. So those are some ways that we can use these works of service to bless people in the name of Jesus. My Greek professor, Kenny Bowles, he shared this. He says, the key to gaining the right focus on ministry is to stop thinking of serving the church program and to start thinking about serving the needs of people. So while these programs are good, the goal is let's help people. Let's bless people. And I believe the key is meeting the needs of people in the name of Jesus. So Mark Moore gives us the action step for this week, uh, chapter f- uh, number f- week, day five activity. He says, once you walk into a room, so you can walk into any room, look around and just say, that needs done. And you can say, I know how to do that. And I could do that really well. Then go do it. Just go do it. So I want to ch- encourage you to just, you know, walk into a room. Could be here at church. Could be your house. Could be, I mean, maybe not your neighbor's house. That might get a little, get a challenging. Okay? All right. But it's just, just what, what do you see? Like, I could fix that. I, that. I can do that and I could do it well. That's where the gift comes. A lot of us can do things. Can you do it well with excellence? Uh, and then do that. Our young people last week in, in youth group, Michael taught them uh, about service, and, and their line was, you see a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. And I'd say, in the name of Jesus, because that really is what separates us from just good deed groups. So you see a need, and just go meet it in the name of Jesus. You don't need my permission. We've been given commands to do that. So see a need, meet a need. Here's one way this looks. Uh, one of our young men uh, from here at church, Tyler Babs, you might remember Tyler, graduated a couple years ago from high school. Uh, he spent the last couple of summers working at Lake Springfield Christian Assembly, our church camp. And a couple months ago, when it was 90 degrees out, I was sitting under a shade tree at the camp uh, doing some uh, personal retreat day. And Tyler was out there, come, comes up on his the little side-by-side Kawasaki mule type thing and uh, we chatted for a little bit, and I had some smoked trout from a dear friend, and I said, try some of this. It was really good. And uh, I just wanted to ask, I said, Tyler, you've been out here at camp for a couple years. What's just kind of doing maintenance, groundskeeping, just, just jobs? I said, what, what's, been some of your, what's been your favorite part about working out here at camp? I figured he'd say, like, lifeguarding or driving a tractor, chainsaw. I mean, that's kind of what I thought he was going to say. Here's what he said. 
I didn't think I was going to cry today. <laughs> Something to the fact, don't quote me, but this is what I heard. He said, I just like working at a church in a Christian environment. I've said this to several people, and I, never, I don't think I cried till today. He said, I, I like knowing that it's just the little things that I do help people to get to know God. And he said, some people may come onto this camp for the first time, and they might have their, their first experience with Jesus. And this kid's like 20, and he's got it. And I'm like, oh, that everyone in the world could have that perspective, that just the little things that I do, because he mows grass, he probably cleans toilets, he runs a chainsaw, you know, just that stuff. But he realizes my little part to play, which is not little, my part to play behind the scenes is helping advance the gospel of Jesus. And that just inspires me. And so when I got the reference call, because he's going to go down to Sky Ranch in Oklahoma in a couple weeks to do some similar things, I said, you better hire this guy because he's got it figured out. And I said, you better take good care of him. Because if you don't, <laughs> I'll come find you, okay, because he's a good young man. But that's the picture of what we do just to bring glory to God and help people know Jesus. And if we can have that perspective, do you think this world would be a little better place? Do you think some of the divisions around us would fade away? The one God overall works in and through us to make us one. To make us one. Did you hear our text? One body, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father, Father, Son, Spirit. You always got to keep your eyes open when you read your Bible and you come up with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a really close amount of time. Those are, those are kind of big passages where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit show up. There's lots of them. This is one of those places where Father, Son, and Spirit are right here all together. And so do you ever picture Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fighting Let's be honest. And we would call them the Trinity, which is not a Bible word, but it's the, the, the three-in-one concept. Do you ever picture Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fussing and fighting like we see out here or you might see at your dinner table this afternoon because we're humans? I just don't see that. And what I love about it, and I know Michael's used this recently, but I want to use it again. Our friends with ASL, I want to learn the sign for Trinity. This is fun. So you, you, this is audience participation, okay? So here's, here's the number three, okay? It's not this way. That's, what's that? That's six. That's a W. That's a W. Thank you. So this is number three. So you do three. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we're going to do three and one. Are you ready? So get, do this. So does, is this the right way? Or this way? So we're going to do it this way. Watch. Keep careful. Three and one. Do you, whoa. Did you figure that out? Sorry. Father, Son, Holy, three and one. It, you can practice again. It's okay. Three and one. Three, you go on, or slow motion. Three, one. Okay, one more time. Three. We just built a new trough in your brain. There's another 100,000 brain cells we just got today. Three and one. Okay, this, the picture is there's this three, but they are united as one. And so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit makes us one. And that's important because our world needs to hear that today. Don't you think, church? Because we live in such a challenging, challenging season right now. 
John Stott said it this way, the unity of the church is as indestructible as the unity of God himself. So unless you can divide Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you can't divide his church. Now that's kind of debated because we kind of can make some things messed up. But that is the goal that this is God's church. This is God's body. This is the body of Christ. And so we pursue unity. 1860, do you remember who won the presidency? should we live like 10 miles from his hometown Abraham Lincoln won the presidency 1860 but it was a very challenging I mean if you've been to the museum and walk through that one section where they're just chanting all the voices they did not like Abe Lincoln okay he had a hard way to go through the, the, his election process so uh, it's been kind of politics for America challenging for a while but he went through a very challenging primary just to get the the general uh, the Republican nomination and then he, it was a four-way race for the presidency. And he got just under 40% of the popular vote. Which means he didn't have, the majority was not on his side. Because they divided, divided up between four candidates. But he won the presidency. 1861, he comes into office. And within weeks, there's going to be states leaving the Union. Does that sound right? Pretty divided time in the nation's history. And he is getting ready to set up his cabinet. And so he's decided, who do I put in these cabinet positions? And he did something unprecedented at the time. Those opponents from his primary, he asked them to join his cabinet. Those that were slandering him and didn't agree with him and didn't respect him, he said, I want you to come work right in my inner circle. In fact, he got one from another party to join him, Edwin Stanton, as his secretary of war. And so he invited Sam and Chase to be his secretary of the treasury. William Seward was secretary of state. Edwin Stanton, secretary of war. Edward Bates, attorney general. And Doris Kearns Goodwin writes a book. It's 944 pages. I read parts of it. Called Team of Rivals. Pretty aptly titled. But in his idea, he's like, we are in a crucible moment in our nation's history and I need the best people available. And that's who I want around, them, around me. And he made it work. And he won them over. And they got together. And they worked through that. Some of them became very fast friends as a result of their time together. Could you imagine that happening today in our political climate? How would that happen? That people would actually work together to lead our country. But my friends, I believe the church is God's way to display what this type of unity can look like. God has called a diverse group of people and He has saved them by His grace and given them gifts and a mission to complete to make more and better followers of Jesus. We live in turbulent and divisive times. And as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity to show the world around us a better way. A way marked by grace and service as we show the world the picture of one. The one God overall works in us and through us to make us one. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are three in one. Lord, I thank you for the, the unity that we have displayed in this window of time as a church body. I thank you for 
godly elders and deacons who have led through this with patience and grace and humility. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to help us pursue our core value of Christian unity. And Lord, I want to pray for our sister churches in our community. I want to pray for St. Mary's Catholic Church and St. John's Lutheran Church as they're searching for a preacher and for Central Baptist and our friends in Loami and Pleasant Plains and Ashland and Springfield and Jacksonville. And Lord, I just pray that we as the body of Christ could come together even more to show the world a beautiful picture of unity. King Jesus, we pray for our world and there is a just a spirit of division, a spirit of anger, of bitterness. And I pray that we as followers of Jesus, saved by grace, could rise above that and treat our neighbor with love and respect. Lord, I pray that you would help us realize that we have something to offer, that you have given us gifts, and that we can bless this church family and the world around us by serving them. In your holy name. Lord, we ask for your help, and I thank you for your power. In the name of Jesus, who conquered the grave, we pray. Amen.